Uh, if you have your Bibles with you, would you please open up to Psalm 1? Psalm 1. Um, it, is, it really is a privilege to be able to serve you in this way this morning. Um, I was reminded this week just how blessed we are as a church uh, to still be gathered together, uh, even in the midst of the height of the pandemic uh, here in WA. Um, and last week, uh, I had the blessing of being able to lead both our Thursday night and Friday morning services. But prior to that, uh, I had actually been absent from the weekly gathering um, for about four weeks. Um, thank you to those of you who did notice, and to those who didn't, um, I forgive you. <coughs> I'm joking. <laughs> yeah, after some close contact isolations um, and sicknesses other than COVID, uh, I finally did get the dreaded virus myself, and Stacy and a couple of other of the kids followed suit, um, and which also included a positive test on uh, Easter Sunday morning, which was a real shame. Um, but we are all mostly back to health now. Um, apart from the lingering fatigue, um, which isn't so fun, especially as it's you know compounded by the fact that we're parents with a teething baby as well. Um, so yeah, please please pray for me for strength for this morning as well. Um, but yeah, I am very very thankful to be uh, back gathered with you this morning. And also say thankful for our Heavenly Father's gracious provision. Um, He truly does provide for us uh, in our need. He is so good and so faithful, isn't he? So we come now to hearing from his word, through which gives us all that we need for life and for godliness. So if you, yeah, let's read uh, Psalm 1 together and then I'll pray. Psalm 1, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the kid, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Let's pray. Gracious Father, would you please open our eyes now that we would indeed behold wondrous things out of your law. Please, Lord, would you give me the strength to proclaim your word faithfully to your people that they may indeed be blessed by you speaking to them, that they would see Jesus more clearly and love him more dearly. In his name we pray. Amen. So over the course of the last year, uh, Stacey and I uh, have made our way through all the Marvel movies in timeline order. Um, There may be many of you who have no idea what the Marvel movies are, and that's okay, Uh, They're basically just the superhero movies. Um, But this franchise, they have characters such as Spider-Man, Iron Man, Captain America, the Hulk, etc., etc. You might be familiar with it. Uh, And these movies have made just an absurd amount of money over the last decade, even with the most recent Spider-Man film uh, grossing over $1.8 billion worldwide. It's just crazy how popular these films are. But it is understandable, right? We all love the superhero versus villain narrative because we can so easily identify with the desire to overcome the challenges that life brings and we all love the saviour figure. 
But what is remarkable about these films is that they are actually becoming better and better at doing something that maybe you haven't picked up on before because it is so subtle, but it's this development of the anti-hero or the anti-villain. Essentially what this is, is creating a character who is expected to be the hero, but who lacks so many of the qualities of what we would deem to make a true hero. A classic example is the character of Tony Stark, uh, who's the superhero Iron Man. Stark in many ways is a terrible hero though, isn't he? Being a playboy, being selfish, not being a team player, always looking out for himself, spending ridiculous amounts of money on toys and cars, yet he's still the hero, and people love him. I mean, even I love him. I think he's probably my favourite superhero. And Marvel does this same thing with their villains as well, giving them honourable desires, but yet they pursue them destructively. See, more and more, our culture and our society are blurring these lines of what is right and wrong. It's making morality a complex and subjective concept, that saying that what is right for me might not be right for you, and what is wrong for you it might not be wrong for me. But the scriptures, they have a very different narrative, don't they? See, the Bible is actually it's full of stories of, of two men, Cain and Abel, Isaac and Ishmael, Esau and Jacob, Moses and Pharaoh, David and Saul. Even Paul uses this illustration of the new man and the old man. Rather than the hero or villain, the right and the wrong, the righteous and the wicked, being something of a blurry or subtle concept, the Bible, and in particular our psalm this morning, shows us that there is really only two ways to live. There is the way of the righteous and the way of the wicked. You see, this opening psalm, which is acting something of an introduction to the entire Psalter, gives us a framework for reading the rest of the Psalms. The way of the righteous are those who trust and delight in God and in his word, and the wicked are not so. When it comes to the two ways to live, there is no subjectiveness or ambiguity. God's word is very clear on who are the righteous and who are not. So first, let's look at the way of the righteous. Let's read verses 1 through 3 together again. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. So our psalmist is telling us that the blessed one, who is the righteous one, first of all, does not live like the wicked do. He does not walk in the counsel of the wicked. He does not stand in the way of sinners. He does not sit in the seat of scoffers. Do you see this progression in the movements from walking to standing to sitting? In no way at all do the righteous take part in the life of the wicked. His connection with evil is more and more strongly denied as he distances himself from their company. The way of the righteous is totally incompatible with the way of the wicked. 
The righteous do not live according to their counsel or to their worldly and wicked wisdom. The righteous do not imitate their way of life, those who are bent on living for themselves. The righteous do not identify as those who mock God's power and authority and reject him as their king. But in total contrast to the way of the wicked, the righteous one's delight is in the law of the Lord. His delight is in the law of the Lord. You see, the way of the righteous is grounded in and shaped by their delighting in the perfect, precious, and proving law of the Lord. Now, we know that the psalmist, uh, for the psalmist, that the law of the Lord is likely to be referring to the Torah or the first five books of what is our New Test- Old Testament now. But for us, this side of the cross, it is all of the scriptures, isn't it? Both Old and New Testament. The righteous one is shaped by the very word of God. And their delight is in it. They take great pleasure in it. They find deep joy in it. They are satisfied by it. Why? Well, because in it, we see our Lord Jesus most clearly revealed to us. God has chosen to reveal himself to his people through his prophets and apostles, which has been kept for us in written form, and he continues to reveal his same self to us um, again and again, deeper and deeper, more and more, day after day, year after year, so that we may know him and delight in him, that we might take great pleasure in him and find deep joy and be satisfied by him. We delight in the law of the Lord, in his holy scriptures, because in them we know him. And this is what marks the way of the righteous, delighting in God through his word. We're reminded of this wonderful scene in Luke's gospel, aren't we? That after Christ's resurrection, he's walking on the road to Emmaus with two of his followers. And these two followers, they just cannot understand what has just happened with Jesus being crucified and then his body seeming to be missing from the tomb on the third day. And what does Jesus say to them? He said to them, O foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Our Lord Jesus is most clearly revealed to us in the scriptures. And this is why the righteous are marked by a delighting in God's word. And this is why we're to meditate on it at day and night. This meditation, which is probably the furthest thing from what our secular world tells us that it is. We can all imagine the pose, right? Sitting cross-legged, arms on our knees, fingers in the air, uh, just like Rafiki from The Lion King. And while it's usually associated with yoga or Buddhism, meditation is understood to be a means of clearing your mind, being still, finding this inner peace. But no, this meditation that our psalmist is talking about is no clearing of the mind, but exactly the opposite. It's filling the mind with the very word of God. In fact, this same Hebrew word for meditating is also used in the Old Testament to describe the cooing of a pigeon 
or the growling of a lion or the voice of a human. It is understood that the Jewish person would read God's word out loud, quietly under his breath. And it's this careful reading and study is what is understood as meditation. And this meditation is the means by which we delight in God and his word. Day and night, the psalmist says, meditating on God's word is a regular and consistent, ruminating and purposeful reflection. To live a life of meditation on God's word is for your heart and mind to be shaped by it day in and day out. The way of the righteous is marked by delighting in God's word, meditating on it day and night. But why does it mark the way of the righteous? Psalm 119 Verse 11 says this, I have stored up your word in my, that should be heart, that I might not sin against you. I've stored up your word in my heart, which I think is another way of him saying, I delight in your word and meditate on it day and night so that I might not sin against you. We delight in God's word so that we might know him And we also delight in it so that we might be obedient to him. We must be obedient to him. As creator and king and righteous judge of all, he demands that we must be. This is what his word reveals to us, doesn't it? So those who delight in God's word, meditating on it day and night, being obedient to it, are, just as our psalmist says in verse 3, like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither. What a beautiful picture. Just like your average Pinterest-shaped home in the Western world these days, we have many indoor plants around our house and Stacey's pretty diligent at keeping them watered, but every every now and then one of them will just fall through the cracks. And usually it's the one that's next to my study desk Because in her words, it's my responsibility. So on more than one occasion, my poor little pot plant will go weeks, if not months, without water. And just this week, I finally just had to call time on it. This time, there's just no coming back, right? And I'm sure we all know this by experience. I'm not alone. Plants just don't survive without water. It is this wonderful analogy that the psalmist uses to show us just what the way of the righteous is like. The one who delights in the word of God and meditates on it day and night is just like a tree planted next to streams, plural streams of water. It's always fed, always refreshed, always nurtured, always taken care of. It bears its fruit in its season and never, not even in the heat of a scorching Perth summer, does its leaves wither. In all that they do, they prosper. This is the way of the righteous. Delighting in God through his word, bearing fruit in obedience to his commandments. Hope you're being drawn into the beauty of this way that God's calling us to. Because it's exactly why the one who walks in this way is truly blessed. A truly happy, with a deep, unshakable joy in God. Refreshed in and comforted by his word, we bear fruit and prosper, certainly not in any worldly sense, 
but in the things that truly matter. Bearing the fruit of the Spirit, being a blessing to those around us, taking the gospel to those who are yet to hear. Friends, we must delight in God and in his word. While the righteous one is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither, the wicked are not so. But, verse 4 says, that they are like chaff that the wind drives away. See, at harvest time, the farmer would take his wheat to the threshing floor, grab a big handful and throw it up into the air and allowing the wind to drive the chaff away and the good seed which was heavier would fall to the floor to be gathered. The chaff is worthless, useful for nothing, except maybe feeding it to the animals. It bore no fruit and it was no blessing to anyone. The psalmist says that the wicked are just like the chaff, that the wind drives away. Why? Because their, their delight is not in God and in his word. They do not meditate on it day and night. They do not bear fruit and prosper in all that they do. Instead, they walk in the counsel of the wicked. They stand in the way of the sinners. They sit in the seat of scoffers. Just as we saw this positive progression for the way of the righteous, so too do we see it negatively for the way of the wicked. There is a continual hardening of their hearts and determination in their actions making them resolute in their wickedness. The Psalms are full of uh, descriptions of this wickedness, but here are just a few. The wicked conceives evil and is pregnant with mischief and gives birth to lies. In arrogance, the wicked hotly pursue the poor. The wicked boasts of the desires of his soul. While the Lord tests the righteous, but his soul hates the wicked and the one who loves violence. The wicked speak peace with their neighbours while evil is in their hearts. The wicked plots against the righteous and gnashes his teeth at him. Lying, taking advantage of people, boasting in worldly desires, loving violence, despising the way of the righteous are all clear actions of the wicked. Because they do not delight in the Lord and in his word. So let me ask you, do you walk in the counsel of that non-Christian friend at work or of that family member because it's easier than what God's word requires? Do you stand in the way of sinners, joining them in coarse joking or gossiping? Do you sit in the seat of scoffers, continuing to lust after images, whether they be on the screen or the... um, Images on that screen, whether they be win or the latest fashion item to purchase. Or are you delighting in God's word? Are you meditating on it day and night? Are you bearing fruit? Are your leaves evergreen? Do you prosper spiritually in all that you do? Do you love what is right and hate what is wrong? Because this is the way of the righteous. I'll be the first to put up my hand and tell you that that Bible reading plan that I started in January stopped a long time ago. My quiet times with the Lord can be far too short and insincere. 
And this certainly produces barren and dry days where there is a lack of delight in God and a lack of desire to live in obedience to him. There can be no grey area. There are only two ways to live. The way of the righteous, who delight in God and in his word and bear fruit, or the way of the wicked, of whom it is not so. So the psalmist goes on to say, Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Those who do not delight in God and in his word and bear fruit will not stand in the judgment. Why? Because when God opens the books and recounts all that we have done and holds us to account for the lives that we have lived, the wicked will be found wanting. Matthew 25 tells us of that great day of judgment when Christ, the appointed judge, returns. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. Before him will be gathered all the nations and he will separate people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will place the sheep on his right, but the goats on the left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Then he will say to those on his left, Depart from me, you cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. The way of the wicked will perish. The truth is that we all deserve this, don't we? We do not walk in the way of the righteous perfectly as we ought. We all have a debt of sin that we have amassed by walking in the way of the wicked. We are not consistent in delighting in God and in his word, meditating on it day and night. We do not love him with all of our heart, soul, mind and strength. We do not love our neighbours, let alone our families, as we ought We do not live selflessly for the sake of the glory of Christ and to see his gospel proclaimed to all yet to hear. So too are we all, in one way or another, half-hearted. We try to live for God and to live for ourselves by making idols out of our family or our money or our jobs or our footy teams. For while the way of the wicked can be so obviously anti-Christ, so too it can be deceitfully charming, can't it? Thomas Brooks, a great English Puritan, once wrote this, where 1,000 are destroyed by the world's frowns, 10,000 are destroyed by the world's smiles. The world, siren-like, it sings us and it sinks us. It kisses us and betrays us like Judas. It kisses us and smites us under the fifth rib like Joab. The honours, splendour and all the glory of this world are but sweet poisons that will endanger us if they do not eternally destroy us. Can you see how Psalm 1 puts the spotlight on the affections of our hearts and how that reveals whether we are walking in the way of the righteous 
or the way of the wicked. I think if we're all honest, there are some days, if not many, where we could far more easily identify with the way of the wicked than the way of the righteous. But praise God that there is one that this psalm truly and perfectly speaks of. Jesus. Jesus truly is the blessed one who walks not in the counsel of the wicked. He did not stand in the way of sinners, nor did he sit in the seat of scoffers. But Jesus' delight was in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditated day and night. Jesus is like the tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither. In all that Jesus did, he prospered. Jesus is the blessed one. Yeah, I think verses 1 to 3 speaks of one person and it's not actually until the end of verse 5 that we read of the righteous in the plural. And perhaps it is just a literary technique that the psalmist is using to be more poetic, but I think this is just such a wonderful picture of the gospel, isn't it? That Jesus walked perfectly in the way of the righteous and then suffered and died for those of us who high-handedly were walking in the way of the wicked. There is a way for you and I to stand in the congregation of the righteous, and it is not through our efforts. It is through his, through Christ's, efforts, just as we celebrated last weekend, the spotless lamb was led to the slaughter. The righteous one suffered for the unrighteous ones. The righteous died so that the wicked might live. And this is why verse 6 can say that the Lord knows the way of the righteous. This is so much more and so much greater than the Lord simply just knowing us and who we are. But the best way to understand is is that he knows us with great affection and approval. The Lord loves you oh so deeply and he approves of you. This might be such a foreign idea to some of us, but if you belong to Christ, the Lord approves of you. That is, he accepts you, he favours you, he endorses you, he esteems you. This is his blessing bestowed upon you. The Lord knows you with great affection and approval. All because Christ, the blessed one, offers us his very own righteousness. As we're going to see as we head into Acts next week, he is now calling those of us who are wicked to repent. And as we do, he gives us his own righteousness. Maybe that might even be you today. Maybe the Lord is showing you that you have been walking in the way of the wicked and he is now calling you to repentance, to trust in Jesus, to turn and to begin to walk in the way of the righteous by his grace. For he gives us his own righteousness and he gives us the power to walk in the way of the righteous as we repent from the way of the wicked and trust in him. Now we, as the gathered people of God, his church, we can read this psalm in its fullness and we can love and treasure God's word because it reveals 
and leads us to and shapes us into our Lord Jesus Christ, the Blessed One. We can delight in his word and meditate on it day and night, although imperfectly, and be called righteous because Christ is righteous. We can strive to live to be a blessing to those around us, though with a holy discontent as we fail along the way, and be called righteous because Christ has made us righteous. We will still wrestle with our sin, doing the things that we don't want to do and not doing the things we want to do, and yet be called righteous because Christ has made us righteous. May this stir your affections for him this morning and cause you to delight in him and in his word. Open your Bible each morning with a glad heart of thankfulness for what he has done for you. Plead with him through his spirit, which he has gifted to you to love his word more deeply and to delight in him through it. Pray with the psalmist, open my eyes, Lord, that I may behold wondrous things out of your law. Keep in step with the Spirit that he might bear good fruit in your life and make you a blessing to those around you. Walk in the way of the righteous, knowing, as one author wrote, this blessedness is not deserved. It is a gift from God. We're about to sit together at the Lord's table and eat the supper together. And as we prepare for that, can I ask you to think of just one way that you might still be walking in the way of the wicked? It might be your lack of love for God's word, or it could be a particular sin that you continue to wrestle with. But identify just one thing and bring it before the Lord and ask him to forgive you and help you to walk in the way of the righteous as it relates to that one thing. And in this way, prepare your hearts to receive his grace through the Lord's Supper. Can I pray for us now as we prepare to eat and drink together? Thank you, Lord, for the righteousness that Christ has offered to us through his perfect life, sinner's death. Lord, would you please stir our hearts to love him more and to hate our sin? Would you please give us great desires to walk in the way of the righteous and no longer in the way of the wicked? Even now as we prepare our hearts, would you please do a great work within us? May we love your word more May we delight in it and so delight in you. May we turn from our sin to trust in the righteousness that is only from Christ. Help us now, we pray.